You are listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, a podcast for survivors of suicide loss. In this weekly podcast, you will learn more about your unique experiences and gain insights on your brain and how it processes grief and loss due to a loved one's suicide. While suicide grief comes in all shapes and sizes, Amy shows you that you still can have a life full of joy and fulfillment even though your loved one died. You don't have to just survive anymore. You can thrive. You are listening to the Survive to Thrive podcast with Amy Miller, episode number 53, Drama. Hey guys, how are you? I hope you're having a great week. Okay, so a few days ago, I took a drive across town and I came to an intersection that's really close to my house. And I was at this intersection waiting for the light to turn And my husband was driving the car, so I wasn't really paying attention so much to the lights. But I glanced up and I looked and I saw this vehicle cross the intersection towards another car that was crossing the road and they collided with one another. And the collision was very loud because the speed limit there is around 45 miles per hour. But I believe the um, person that was driving across was going above the speed limit. Regardless, they collided and I witnessed probably one of the most horrific car wrecks that I have seen in a while right in front of my eyes unfold. And the moment that they crashed, the vehicle spun and landed at one point in the road. And the other vehicle obviously was spun a little bit as well in the collision. And my first instinct was to run to the car that did the spins. And the vehicle that was ahead of us at the intersection ran to attend to the other victim that was involved in this car wreck. And it was really interesting, of course, because as I approached the vehicle, the woman obviously was in shock and she was distressed and upset. And it was just a real traumatic experience in that moment. But one thing they teach you in first aid, the one of the most important skills that you need when you are attending someone who has been injured or hurt or traumatized is to remain calm, right? And I really consciously made an effort to remain calm through the situation, So as I approached her, it was pretty apparent that her airbag had deployed and that she had burns from the airbag implosion. And I also noticed that she was experiencing pain. And so I was really calm with her. And of course, she kept asking whose fault it was, whose fault it was. And in the moment, I didn't feel like it was really necessary to talk about this because the most important thing was that she was okay, that she was fine and that she was conscious and that she was doing okay and that the other people in the other vehicle were doing okay as well. And it was really interesting to witness myself experience while someone was going through a traumatic event, my ability to 
create a sense of calm in the situation, right? And as I was calm, she became more calm because there's this thing called mirroring where we mirror one of another based on our energies, right? And I think I've spoke to this before in some of my previous podcast episodes, um, but it's very true. So if I'm stressed, if I'm upset, if I'm panicking, then most likely it's going to exasperate her emotions. And so the worst thing I could do is do all of those things is to be panicky, being afraid, being like just in a state of anxiety in front of her and really exude this nervous energy. It just wouldn't have been helpful in the situation. So I knew in the moment, the most helpful thing I could do was just to remain calm. And to just be a person that she could talk to, ask about her life, ask about her grandkids, ask about the questions that kind of will distract her from the current minute. And once the paramedics had arrived and the fire and all of that, after obviously people were calling 911, obviously the emergency personnel had arrived to the scene, the entire time that I was with this woman, I just was very calm with her and so that when they did come and question her, she would have the ability to think a little bit more straight and to answer the questions so that they could figure out where to go from there. And this woman really appreciated it. And she told me, and I really got thinking about this, thinking about how our behavior affects drama, right? And how things can be in such chaos and quote unquote drama, right? That how we show up in those moments and in those situations really makes a difference. And it really got me thinking about it because one thing I've observed in human beings is that we can always get sucked into this quote and quote unquote drama. Have you noticed? Am I the only one that's noticed? I don't think so. I think many of us notice how dramatic things tend to be, right? I hear people say, I'm so tired of the drama or I'm staying away from all this drama or why am I always in the middle of all of this drama, right? People will say things like that and people will notice how dramatic situations and circumstances and people and work situations and interactions between other people can can be, right? And I'm curious, have you noticed this in yourself? Have you noticed how you wonder about all of this drama, right? And how you're always stuck in the middle of this drama. I've definitely noticed this within myself. And it really is eye-opening when we notice this within ourselves. And it begs the question as to why do we do this? And the reason for this and the reason that I have found is it's because of our primitive brain, okay? Now, those of you who've been listeners with me for a long time have known that I've spoke to this idea of the primitive brain, but the primitive brain is that brain that we're all born with, right? It is responsible for our fight and flight responses. It's what is needed for our survival. It is what we need to keep us alive, right? And what our primitive brain tends to do is look for danger in all situations. And many times it goes looking for drama because 
it loves to feast on drama. That's what our primitive brain really loves to do. I can find so many examples of this, right? Have you noticed this in, for example, media consumption? Have you noticed this in the movies, in books, right? Reality TV, that's such an excellent example of this, right? They create these shows that create an environment of a lot of drama, right? And the pieces that they include in these reality TV shows are the most dramatic parts, right? Because our primitive brain is drawn to it. And that's how they get more viewers and they get more, they get their ratings to be higher because we're so intrigued by drama, right? Another example is the news, right? Have you noticed this? That's how they gain viewers is through drama, So they pick the stories that they think people would really love to feast on. And because we're all born with this primitive brain, we're all looking for that story, for the plot twists, right? For the tension, for the chaos, for the victims, for the villains, for the heroes. We just love it. We love all these dramatic conclusions that, you know, like these opinion news broadcasters can come to or these dramatic endings in these movies that we can see or these dramatic pieces of this reality television show where they're at in that place. And because of all of this, we have this tendency in ourselves to also contribute and create drama. Okay. We like to make something out of nothing. Sometimes we create stories about everything in our lives, including people, situations, interactions, to the point where we become so invested in these stories that we start to truly believe them. But here's the truth about all of this. All of these stories that we come up with in our minds are all optional. We get to decide where we invest our energy and dramatic stories are optional, okay? And that is such a good thing, right? So you might be asking, okay, I've noticed in my life drama and I've had this thing happen in my relationship or the fallout after our losses, right? There's so many of us who've had families really struggle after they've lost a loved one that they care for to suicide, right? Because it seems to surface all of the stuff that we didn't deal with prior to their loss. So we find ourselves in this place where we're creating a lot of drama because this is coming to the forefront, right? And, but I think it's really important for us to remember that all of these stories are optional. I remember when I first learned about this concept that stories are optional, I was blown away. Like I never really thought that a story was optional. To me, it felt like the truth, right? That the story was what it was. And once I learned this concept that we get to decide that this story that we have created is optional, 
it really empowers us to take control on the drama that we create. It's really amazing. Okay. So I want to break it down for you today in steps on how to de-dramatize. Okay. De-dramatize our drama. Okay. Now bear with me as we go through this. Okay. So the first step to de-dramatize is to separate out all the facts of the story and consciously decide they don't mean anything. Okay. Now this is probably feels, this probably does feel harder than it sounds, but it is super important to really lay out the facts. Okay. Because a lot of times we feel like our story is the facts, right? But we really have to deconstruct it to what the true facts are. And these facts have to be something that we could prove. It is something that we could take to a judge or jury and everybody would agree to be the truth, okay? And that's how you break it down and know what is truly a fact and separate that from what is the story, okay? Now, the facts don't mean anything until we decide they mean something, okay? And when we decide what they mean, then that is when our story becomes created, okay? So I really want you to think about that, okay? Think about separating out all of the facts of the story and consciously decide that they don't mean anything. Okay. The second step to de-dramatize is to give people the benefit of the doubt. Okay. To me, that seems to be a pretty simple thing to do. It's not simple for everybody. Some people have more challenges with this. Some people feel like that people are out to get them. People don't mean good. They mean harm. They really have this feeling that people are not looking out for their best interest. And so they create all of this story behind what was said or what was done (coughs) on behalf of that other person. They start to overthink it and they create all this drama around it. But when you are willing to give people the benefit of the doubt, like, for example, if someone says something rude or off-putting, okay, if you assume they didn't mean it personally, it feels better, okay? And I also like to remind myself that sometimes I say things that are rude and off-putting, even though I don't intentionally mean to. Okay. And I think it's really important to remind ourselves that people have bad minutes, people have bad days, people have bad weeks, right? And if we're just assuming that they didn't mean it personally, it would be so much better as opposed to assuming they had ill intent. Okay. And Here's how if you have given them the benefit of the doubt, and that is if what they said to you, right, and you're able to think things like, 
they had a bad day, this is not like them, or even to look at them in with more of a servant mind where maybe they need your help, maybe there's some way you can help them. You will feel so much better about the person, about the situation, and it really is a significantly powerful way to de-dramatize the situation. Okay. The third step to de-dramatize is to remain calm. (laughs) Practice the pause, right? It's so funny to me because as that story unfolded with the car accident that I told you about earlier, the first thing that popped into my mind was remaining calm because I knew if I wasn't calm, I was going to exasperate the situation, right? And it's something that is so important to remember that they even teach it in CPR and first aid classes, right? And I think it's really important to remember it, to remain calm in the situation, okay? Because if you don't remain calm during a situation, you could potentially exasperate it, or you could potentially do something you regret, or you will just leave feeling really yucky. Have you ever done that where you reacted to a situation and you weren't calm and you just overreacted and then later you just felt, oh, I just shouldn't have said that or I shouldn't have done that. I'm guilty of it. I've done it myself. So if you take a minute, practice the pause and just remain calm, it can go a long way in de-dramatizing your situation. Okay. The fourth and final thing I really want to talk about in helping you to de-dramatize your situation is to remember you have options. You get to decide what you make things mean. You do. You get that power. You get to decide if what they're saying means something horrible or if what they're saying is just, you know, they weren't thinking straight or you get to decide, you know, that they didn't mean anything about it at all, right? You get to decide. You have options. You get to decide how you feel about the situation by the way you're thinking about the situation and by the way that you're reacting to the situation. So just remember that you have the power to have those options. Okay. I think that's it, my friends. I hope you had a wonderful week. Thanks again for listening. And I hope you have the best rest of your week. And until next week, bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Survived to Thrive podcast. If you like this podcast, please share with your friends and write a review on iTunes. Also, check out survived-to-thrive.com for more information and to subscribe to get the podcast's latest episode, along with useful tips you can begin to use immediately to feel better, directly sent to your inbox.